0: Thanks for joining us for Season 3 of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner and good friend, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy.
1: Thanks for that uh, kind introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Schatzie. Together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. But Jimmy, before you dive right into it, because we have an amazing guest today, I have to ask you a question. It's been bothering me all day. Do you know anything about this branded marketplace that's been launched, an e-commerce platform for innovation and, and technology, best in class in hospitality? Do you know anything about this? Gee, Shatsy, I would like to learn more. Please, could you tell me? I got to tell you, we have launched the branded marketplace, the branded You can go check it out. We have loaded up the best in class solution, starting off with technology for everyone in hospitality. All the operators, you go there to one stop shop. It's the best in class for all sizes and shape restaurants, hotels, anybody who's in travel and leisure. You, You go there and we've loaded it up with some of the best companies, every solution you need to run your business today. And let me tell you, you need technology. That's what's helping us uh, get through this and grow and scale. So you got to check it out, Jimmy, if you haven't. And and, and for those listening, uh, if you want some more information about it, you can go to marketplace at com and shoot us an email. So that is my shameful uh,
0: plug today, Jimmy. Oh, and here I thought this was just between you and me, Shatsy, and you're telling all our listeners. All right, great. <laughs> be that way. Not such a secret anymore. All right. Thank you for that uh, That shameless plug. Uh, well played, sir. Well played. All right. Let's get into this. Today, we have a really exciting episode. I think all of our episodes are great, but we are particularly excited because we got a good friend of Brandon uh, on with us, Mr. Phil Crawford, Chief Technology Officer at CKE he is a, a a tremendous industry veteran and we'd like Phil to kick us off uh, give us a little background on himself and of course on CKE restaurants so Phil and and what and what is CKE what does it stand for i think that's what we got to know that that's the only question we have today. Shat. That's, that's it. the only question. About. We'll end this end this podcast in six minutes.
2: This is the greatest podcast ever then. One question. And I'll I do that. But but thank you both gentlemen for having me. It's always a pleasure to give back to you guys because you're awesome in every single way. Um, but I'll answer the first question since you ask it. CKE stands for Carl Karcher Enterprises. Boom. There you hey. go. And what right, was the K? You? What's the K? Carl Karcher Enterprises.
1: Oh, is that Carl is that Carl? Carl Jr.?
2: That's Carl Senior. It's the original ah, founder of the Carl's. Visual, the yeah. founder. I,
1: I love it. Look at that, everybody. Breaking news on the Breaking, podcast. Exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but
2: yeah, it's, 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 we're part of – CKE actually owns Carl's and Hardee's. But we also own Red Burrito and Green Burrito, which are little Mexican restaurants built inside those two awesome brands. So it's it's a great overall organization. I've had the privilege to be here. Uh, for a short time, you know, obviously my stint before this was with, you know, Yardhouse and Darden, and then after that with uh, Shake Shack, and then most recently with Godiva. Now I'm here in good old Nashville, Tennessee with CKE.
1: Is that the whole intro? Because that's the shortest intro I've ever got. No, not the whole that intro. That
2: was, that, was, that was my
0: little <laughs> teaser for you. So, yeah, you're calling um, your guest out, man. Like, a- how <laughs> Welcome the guy? welcome. I
2: didn't know if I should jump
0: in on the next question.
2: (laughs) Let's go, man. We got a lot to do. Let's do this. Let's just go. Right. So I've always been in the, in the hospitality segment ever since I was 16. Ironically, my first career job was at Carl's Jr. So you can say I've fully come full circle now. Um, And always been in it from a technology standpoint ever since college. So my with the yard house restaurant group out of orange county california helped build that organization until it got acquired by darden and with that organization we did some pretty bleeding end technologies for the fast casual or or full service dining segment known for a bar and bar and grill and beer which is always good and food and amazing audiovisual. and then was blessed enough to move over to shake shack and really build out the technology empire that's there now today Everything from the tech stacks to the digital application to the consumer sediment and all the back-end cloud infrastructure that still runs that amazing brand and the leadership over there today. And then moved over to Godiva for a short spin because I figured that, you know, I'm going to indulge myself in some of the delicious chocolates they had and get out of the burger industry. And spent a couple of years there on a global standpoint and built out their technology infrastructures, but also really heavily on the supply chain for optimization, as well as some consumer sediment uh, applications, as well as front guest facing applications and then most recently as we started with i'm over here at cke now doing a lot of the great things that we need to do here to make us digitally relevant in our very competitive qsr market so there's your there's your brief history of time for phil crawford there you go. Well,
1: it's a lot shorter than Jimmy would do. Jimmy would be a half hour.
2: Now, I
0: resemble that remark. I mean, I resent you resemble resent that, that remark. That re- <laughs> I resent that remark. I would have been. I would have been short, brief, tight. Now listen, Phil. Uh, appreciate the intro. Um, I hope you take this with the thoughtfulness and 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 compliment that it's intended. I consider you a journeyman as you go from burgers to chocolate delicious chocolate, back to awesome burgers, and also from New York to Nashville. Your experience has far reach and breadth, and we love it. From an operational standpoint, how has the transition been from leading the tech charge for brands based in New York City uh, to the beloved regional brands based in the South. And I'd I'd love to hear more about the differences if you don't mind sharing it. I'm sure Shes and I maybe take offense to the following because we'd love to hear about the differences you see in Nashville dining uh, versus the New York City dining scene from your perspective.
2: Yeah, look, you know, New York City and Nashville, Tennessee are two different parts of the spectrum. I've always said getting off the subways in New York City, you better be ready to go or you're gonna get run over here. I could walk and not see somebody for miles upon miles upon miles. So <laughs> there's a little bit too different there. The exciting part is that, you know, when it comes down to hospitality and technology, there's a lot of synergies between between both cities and both, you know, large corporations in both. They both have a desire and and drive to be the best they possibly can be and it kind of was one of my montages that I've always carried with me moving forward it's kind of a, a long-term quote is you know followers my Danny Meyer days the bigger we get the more we have to act and it's always been you know true and tried with regards to even though we have 38 to 4,000 restaurants here in the CKE world and when Shake Shack when I was there had you know, 200 it's still that same methodology and mentality it's all about scale and size and it's all about ensuring that at the end of the day we have the guest experience in mind and, in, and treat them with enlightened hospitality. But on the food side, I'll be honest, it's totally different. <laughs> New York is very eclectic. different. Good or
1: different, bad
2: or just different. Well, you Bill, know, be diplomatic. He, trust me, we're gonna get. No, we're I'm gonna not get, gonna be diplomatic. Oh yeah, we're getting we're in trouble. Trouble. <laughs> oh, we're <laughs> <filling> <laughs> out of Nashville. <laughs> no, so being the health conscious Southern California, you know. Yoga, acupuncturist freak I am. I have a hard time finding, you know, healthy eats here in this city. We're in New York. I could go around the corner and get salads all day long and have a and have an amazing cuisine, whatever I wanted, if I wanted to be bad or good. Here, it's extremely different. It's a different palate. It's you know, everything's fried which is not good for my waistline, but I still love it.
1: But, it, but it's, it's good going down.
2: It's good going down. They're great eats. I mean, both both associations, you know, from the, the New York Restaurant Association and the Tennessee Restaurant Association are really heavily involved. It's great to see the unit, single unit operators, but also the big brands just thrive in both cities. And I mean, I'm happy that, you know, we've come out of all these different rough periods and have all learned to, to adjust and really support the industries. And I think the food can will continue to be evolved And we'll continue to inspire both coasts from side to side.
1: Well, that's awesome. You know, uh, I I had another question, but before I get to it, you mentioned Carl's Jr.'s that we all know. You mentioned Hardee's, we all know. But you said Red Burrito and Green Burrito. For us New Yorkers here, I don't know those brands. Can you just give a little bit about
2: those guys? Sure. So inside of select Carl's Jr. restaurants and Hardy's restaurants are red burritos and green burritos. They are a mini microcosm of a little Mexican stand. So burritos, tacos, taco salad and such. It really was born out of Southern California. So it's more heavily on the Carl side, more on the West Coast in general. Uh-huh. Um, and it really is just a menu that's always been part of our brand. It's a little sub menu of our larger menus.
1: Is that just is that virtual or that's in, I can walk no? in and get it?
2: You can actually get it. So if you want to get a burger and a burrito, you can do it in select markets. Wow, that's unbelievable! I, I never
1: knew that. It's unbelievable. Well, there yeah, you go. Has,
2: that's the second it, big news we got on the podcast. Breaking big news. And it's it is number two, and it has a cult following. You'd be shocked.
1: Yeah, no, I, and 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 is that a healthy option for you? Or they don't have that red burrito and green burrito in Nashville yet? It's only on the West Coast.
2: Uh, it's not a healthy option, but it's always oh, the best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shazzy, what kind of burritos
0: are you getting, man?
1: Yeah, I know, right? You know, my kids are telling me how healthy Chipotle is. You know, they are like, low, oh, fat, it's low, low
0: fat. fat tortillas, low fat sour cream, cheese. Low fat. Yeah, I'm
1: glad we got that cleared up. So that's cool. <laughs> so now we got the second big news. We know what CKE stands for, and we now understand red burrito and green Burrito. So this is this is already a win as a podcast. Awesome. So man. let me ask you I've always thought of myself as an early adopter of technology within hospitality. You know, we were using Open table. I know it doesn't sound like an early uh, tech company, but 23 years ago, we were using OpenTable. You're an early leader in technology. I mean, you know, you've been, you know, you mentioned um, Shake Shack and uh, Godiva. So with all the major brands that you've been working with, w- w- incorporating all the tech, what other things are you seeing uh, outside of just the, you know, because when I think about tech, when I speak to operators, they they're like you know I, I'm loaded with tech. I got a POS, and then and as far as they're concerned, that's it. What are you seeing out there right now uh, to to pile on to uh, to the tech stack outside of just the uh, the POS, which I'll say is the original tech stack?
2: Yeah, look, I think any kind of digital ecosystem that's out there that you can really infuse the guest consumer experience is where everything is going, mm-hmm. right? P- POS, I think, has had its, had its heyday, quite frankly, because everybody needed cash registers to bring in orders. But now, with everything being in the advent of mobile technology in people's hands, that is a catalyst for change. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing more cloud-based systems coming online. We're seeing more direct consumer interaction coming online. We're seeing the advent of big data and small data, analytics, artificial intelligence, to really help bridge that gap from what we think our consumers know to what they actually do know, and how do we make it a personalized journey? that is where the industry is moving and that's the kind of incorporating tech that we all need to be thinking of in order to become technology evangelists number 1 but also on bleeding edge to have the competitive advantage in our industry because yes. you know that's could i become the technology evangelist
1: of course Jimmy yes you're a financial evangelist a technology evangelist a technology evangelist i want that you know it's I want that well, we're going to use that Mike. i'm using that my next call you could use it you, that's that's an, And I'm footnoting, I'm footnoting. That's number three then you can take from this call.
2: (laughs) There's there's a saying, you you can't see my office obviously because we're doing a podcast, but there's a phrase that I have on my wall and it's kind of one that I preach to all my different leadership teams. It says, do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. That kind of thought process really helps the technology evolve in organizations. Like make your own trail right? Do something that nobody else has done. And
1: my head just exploded on that one. I like that one. Yeah, that's you know, another
2: great one. Phil, Phil's dropping gold. I'm dropping gold bombs, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Phil, if I can, you know, we and I so wish we didn't to keep talking about the pandemic, but it, it's still, uh, you know, it's still a major factor in the country and it's still a major, you know, headwind overall for our industry. But when it comes to pandemic, we've kind of coined our own our own phrase that, that when it comes to, to hospitality, the pandemic actually has changed nothing. But has accelerated everything so brandon believes the adoption and the embracement of tech and innovation which usually takes literally years has come to market in a matter of just a few months given that you know your position and you being on the forefront of hospitality tech now literally for, for over two decades I know this rings true to you uh, but I guess can you share maybe a little bit about what CKE and the brands and you mentioned kind of POS being kind of kind of yesterday's news respectfully and the BYOD bring your own device not saying don't say it's
1: dead Jimmy because I think our next guest is a POS guy
0: not saying, I'm not saying, that. but, but has <laughs> but the CKE brands adapted uh, and may be leveraged and utilized or explored tech and grown over the last year uh, during truly one of the most challenging periods I think any of us have, have
2: lived through with respect to this market. Well, first off, now you realize you dated me by saying the last two decades. Oops. So that, <laughs> I, I meant I chatty three decades, five years, five years out of college. <laughs> <laughs> Just fresh. Yeah, you know, I think really everything accelerated. What used to take years to plan and implement really mm-hmm. got forethrusted into several months, in some places, even weeks. Yep. I mean, before we knew it, nobody was doing Zoom calls. Now we're all on Zoom. Virtual offices were really just, you know, a thing that IT folks did. Now mm-hmm. everybody does it from every different discipline. I think that need for the tool digital ecosystem and to become tech relevant really has had been the catalyst for change. And for us independently, we've had to become technologically relevant and we've had to reduce our technology debt we were thrust into this organization with regards to, to COVID and don't have a lot of the same tools in the same digital products that our, that our competition has, but that also that our consumers demand. So we're really having to pivot still during the middle of the pandemic to get products launched that really puts the, the power in the people's hands, quite frankly. And I think that's a lot of the different mindsets that organizations have had to think about, not just Internally, how are you going to operate your business, but how are you trying to prevent COVID the next round, whatever we call it? So we're learning from these these real-life, real-time instances. So when it comes around, it's not nearly as the the knee-jerk reaction we've had to do. We can take it with stride, knowing that we've set the foundations right to be agile and to move accordingly. That's really great. Listen, one more follow up from me, you know, between Carl's Jr.
0: and Hardee's brands, there are over 3,800 franchised or, or company owned restaurants. And and as you said, Phil, we're on a podcast, but I put my pinky up to my lip. Uh, I think there's more, Jimmy. As I said, 3,800 uh, restaurants. That's just domestic. That's And that's just domestic. There you go. That's- and there's just one Mr. Phil Crawford. So how are you able to maintain that all your stores are properly implementing, training their staff on these, this new digital and technical platforms and programs? And, you know, does it vary by region? You know, are you requiring franchises to implement, you know, all tech suggestions at the end of the day, over 4,000 stores, one Phil Crawford, how are you doing this?
1: I think Phil hired a CTO. There you go.
2: Well, since you, did the, since you said the pinky <laughs> reference, I've cloned myself, and there's little mini-me's running around. All there you go. there <laughs> you go. No, you know, you know, seriously, it's all about the team, right? I'm only as good as the team that I have, and I have an amazing team here, and we're continuing to hiring new leaders and new team members in order to make this acceptable and actually make it actionable. It's all about planning, organization, and buy-off. That's it. I know it sounds very simplistic, but it's also extremely hard. We need to have the leadership on board. We need to have the different departments, the different divisions, operations, but the entire leadership needs to hold hands collectively to pull this forward. And the only way you do this is by planning and execution. And it's difficult in some ways in the franchisee organization, because to your second or actually third question, excuse me, We are implementing it, and it is being a requirement. So it also becomes an educational process for the franchisees that may not understand what technology is. They may not understand what an API is. They may not understand what the goal is of digital ordering. So you have to walk them through at a very simplistic level, but also at a very high level, so they understand and grasp the concepts. But I also think at the same time, the planning and execution in the buy-off but also put your best foot forward and say we're going to be the first to take that leap of faith we're going to do the technology in our own corporate restaurants mm-hmm. in our own corporate dmas and show you how it works and after that the rest go like dominoes and again it's the, the other part about this is really important is the training for the team so really have operational off and lms off and such to make sure that it, it's in a cohesive manner so it doesn't impact the guest experience is huge. And that only way to do it is we're all holding hands going in the same direction.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, as a fellow operator, um, I certainly understand a lot of the pain points that uh, that we have in the restaurant space and have had over the years in general. I mean, I mean, forgetting the pandemic, I mean, it's always been, you know, anytime you tell somebody, what are you doing with the restaurant business? Oh man, that's a tough business. That's a tough business. I always say, look, every business is tough, but people always seem to be, Oh, that's a really tough business. So it's always been a tough business. So having said that, what are the things now that keep you up at night? Like what, what is the problem right now that you're like, Oh man, I got to solve this. I got what's, what's keeping you up at night.
2: What keeps me up at night is all about, I can put every (laughs) single technology in place, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes just too much technology and it actually becomes a detriment to the operations. I'm concerned about execution and consistency aligning with hospitality. I have to be able to create a great digital product, but equally give a great service and a great end product for the consumer. If I do any part of that and I make decisions from the 35,000 foot glass castles and don't get inside the restaurant and see where the real work is done, that's what keeps me up at night. I don't want decisions to be made, again, from all the way to the top, Without understanding what's at the bottom, so you need to reverse it. I had a peer back in my yard house days um, that really thought about inverting that triangle, because really to understand and make it work, you got to put yourself in the in the shoes of the folks that are standing those eight hours behind the grill making burgers. When you get that yeah. when you get that done right, the rest will go easily.
1: Reminds me a little of uh, Undercover Boss, that TV show where they throw yeah. the CEO into like, you know, put him into a, a uniform of uh, Carl Jr.'s or something and then throw him in the Fry Station.
2: <laughs> and I'll tell you, that's actually been a great success. I've, we've done that at Yardhouse. We did it yeah. at Godiva. We did it at Shake Shack. We used to call it, at, ironically, at Shake Shack, Nerds and Shack, just because we wanted to run shifts in the restaurant. So we understood what we were doing and implementing and the impact it took on the employees. Because if you don't have that in mind, you're in trouble.
1: No, it's really, really important. A lot of people don't think about it. They, they sit in the office and they get pitched an idea about technology. Like, oh, Let's roll it out. And they don't know what implications it has uh, or ramification it has on the, the team and them trying to put out, like you said, a really great product. And at the end of the day, we are in the hospitality business. We are serving great food and drink. And that is what we're doing. So that's it's a great point. Um, thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I enjoyed that banter the two of you had, but I admit I was a little distracted because, you know, my answer to what keeps me up at night is, is really simpler. It's, it's, spicy, it's gas. spicy food. I, was so, uh, say, I, know,
1: I knew you were so. going into
0: jasmine gas, Jimmy. <laughs> yes, uh, but I got to come up with a better answer than that. Um, I want to dive a little bit deeper into digital transformations that you just highlighted uh, that's happening in our industry. We had a good laugh recently with one of our other podcast guests uh, who shared that their operators certainly did not get into the restaurant business to be in the data management business. However, they find themselves often now looking at data because it's critical to the success of our industry. I think the same can be true when it comes to hands-on and people facing, you know, and the operators, you know, learning to navigate in a digital world. So what advice do you have for operators that, that really are interested or see the need uh, in terms of going digital?
2: I think, you know, education. I think be educated on, on on what you need that drives your business. You don't always need a new flashy Ferrari, right, when a Ford will do. You just need to find the things that meet your business needs. I think that, that ecosystem togetherness is the key. When it comes to the actual analytics, there's so many solutions out there. You need to find the one that gives you the actual information you need, but most importantly is not an overbearing product that doesn't have integration that is fully integrated into your software suites or applications. So you can get relative data, but it's easy to use, right? You don't need these big conglomerate solutions out there that cost you an arm and leg if you don't get the return on the investment. I think that becomes the number one thing when it comes to the education. You may want to go left, but do you really need to go left when you have something funny that may already work? Or at the flip side of that. You need to understand that what, what is your goal in mind with regards to your entire digital ecosystem inside of a restaurant? Is it consumer sediment? Is it increased orders? Is it labor tracking? Like you need to really help define that, and that will actually help you unlock your digital your next digital steps.
0: Very cool. KISS. Keep it simple. I say stupid. Jimmy says Sally. I say Sally. I, I, I say Shotzi. Uh,
2: Keep it simple, Shotzi. <laughs> we go. You know <laughs> See, like
0: what? So no, you're done. We agree, and we will give attribution for that. The KISS theory. Keep it simple, Shatsy. Hey, Phil, before we go on to the next segment... Everyone's
1: talking about virtual kitchens, cloud kitchens, uh, you know, the shared kitchens. It's the buzzword right now. It's just it's all over the place. Can you just give us your take? I mean, you've been in the business a long time. You've seen it. What's your take on virtual? I mean, you, you mentioned you've got a couple brands within your own brick and mortar. I don't think they're virtual, you mentioned, but I mean, they certainly kind of sound a little bit virtual. What's your take on it?
2: Look, I I think there's a place for it, quite frankly. I think Mm -hmm. especially with real estate changing, and I look at the heavily metropolitan areas, like New York City. Mm -hmm. If I get out of a kitchen that can monetize, and since a lot of the ingredients are used together in a variety of different products, and you can maximize the efficiency out of it, virtual kitchens make sense. Or vice versa, you can even flip it on its head. When we have an area that's saturated with Carl's or Hardee's, if I can flip one of those into a virtual kitchen, then all they're doing is doing delivery or catering, Done. I'm not actually saturating the additional restaurants out there with additional lines and cooks and so forth. I focus highly on one model that can actually produce all that. Then the others are freed up to do additional volume. I'm a firm believer that virtual kitchens are not just a fad. You will see a dramatic change in the industry as virtual kitchens arise, especially as we start seeing the impacts on the labor model that Mm -hmm. could potentially coming in with the new administration, number Mm -hmm. one. But then also, we don't know how the economy is going to shift post-COVID. So mm-hmm. I think the people are really going kind to of maximize the amount of profitability by bringing multiple brands into a virtual kitchen.
1: Let me ask you one last question. Without giving any trade secrets, are you – what are you guys doing at CK? Is there any plans for virtual? Is I mean this, this burrito kind of concept just
0: sounds just like it. Careful, Phil. Shatsy has been looking for someone to do Shatsy's tacos. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I know. Well, it's funny you say that because back in 2015, I had some friends, Bob, Brian Pearson, uh, Joel Chisman, and um, Joe Tenzar. We actually did something called Four Guys Taqueria so five years later. which so um, true, though. Look it up. It was a Merchek thing. Um, so, you know, everything's on the table here. I, I do believe there is a synergy there for our concepts to do that. Um, I also believe that there's synergies, you know, for roving trucks and other kind of, you know, next gen technologies or next gen virtual kitchens that we can experiment with simply because we have the breadth and scope, but we also know what the future is gonna hold, right? So mm-hmm. we might as well test now and learn and, and see where sense. it goes.
1: Jimmy, I stole I stole your thunder on your segment. So let's go right to your segment. Shatzi,
0: sharing is caring. Just don't do it again. Don't do it again. All right. Listen, we uh, we launched this podcast because, you know, we like the ideas of bringing guests and talking to them, asking them questions, learning a little bit, a lot of bit. it. turns out our guests maybe want to ask us a few things, right? They have something to say and then maybe want to pick something up from from chats and me. So for season three, uh, our producer launched our newest segment called Talking Back, where we offer guests, guests the chance uh, to ask questions. Nothing is off the table. Phil, the mic
2: is yours. Don't ask me anything. So, you know, when you started the podcast, you had said the branded marketplace. And I think that's an amazing idea. I think I'm a big believer in allowing a restaurateur an operator to come to one place and find everything out with regards to technology. I got a question, though. How do vendors get on that? Like, is there a vetting process? Because I think you really have a unique opportunity there to become that marketplace to really bring everything into one, you know, centralized place. What I love most about your question, Phil...
0: he's going to answer it.
1: Well, you know, I'll take a first stab, but I
0: guarantee you, Jimmy
1: says, let me add something to that. I'll just, he'll say, I'll just add. Um, Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, right now, I mean, look, we've, we can vet a lot of things ourselves and we, and we certainly do. And we test a lot of things. And as you know, we, we invest in a bunch of companies that we really like and bring in and test. So, I mean, certainly we can bring uh, a lot of those companies on, but I think really we're looking for uh, it's best in class solutions. We can't test everything. We can get information from operators like yourself and say, hey, you know, this is a really great company solving problems. How do they get on? And it's really easy to onboard a company. And I think we're also looking for uh, the big guys. The open tables, the Resi, the competes, the Averos, but also the young, the the younger startups that uh, they, everybody has to have a, a a minimal viable product. You have to be in the market. You have to have sales. You have to be beyond piloting at this point. You have to actually be, um, you know, revenue generating and and have a, a, a product to be sold. So that that's the first thing. But other than that, really, it's anybody who who has a solution that's really helping solve problems in the industry right now. So I think to your point, we'd like every company that is uh solving problems and uh you know uh, addressing headwinds for operators to get onto the marketplace and uh I'll stop with that Jimmy
0: no, Shaz, that was great. But let me just add one thing. Yeah, I know you're um, going to add one thing. <laughs> first of all, to be very specific um, with, with Phil's question, you would contact uh, Brandon at Marketplace uh, at brandedstrategic.com to, to express an inquiry or, or connect with us through any of the other channels. The only thing I would add is is we know our industry is incredibly fragmented, so we know there's no one-size-fits-all. So Shaz, you mentioned, it's important that we have uh, a range of providers or services, uh, just given the, again, the fragmentation of of our industry, but the one theme I would say we're really promoting is 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 hospitality centric, and that is is we define that as being an ally to the industry. It is the tech companies, it's the service providers, it is the connections. We'll add professional services. It's the folks that really recognize that this is an industry that's that's important. Um, we want to embolden brands. We want to bring efficiencies to brands. So there is a heavy bent on branded business, whether it's our investment business, our accelerator or advisory business, and now our marketplace. We wanna have companies that are allies to these brands and these owners and operators, because this is an industry we love, and we've gotta bring these service providers and partners in a way, you know, make them make our, our other uh, owner-operators aware of the best-in-class tools that will make their business more successful and efficient. So that's that's all I would add. That's and it, Jimmy? Th- that's it. And and by the way, Chats, you you and Phil can't see me, but I just did a mic drop. Boom. Well done.
2: I heard <laughs> it all the way to Nashville. <laughs> Boom.
1: So again, uh, for all those listening out there, uh, if you're listening and you want to get on the Marketplace, Marketplace at Branded's, uh, what is it? Branded Strategic? Is that what it is? Marketplace yeah, at Branded yeah.
0: Strategic? E- email us? Yeah, three years we've been strategic. I'll, I'll send you a memo. <laughs> yeah, give me that. Uh, I, I thought we changed it, Jimmy. Yeah, no. All right, Jimmy, get into your crystal ball moment. Okay. It's time for a crystal ball moment. It's a chance for our guests to put on their Creskin and Miss Cleo hat and predict the future. So, so, Phil, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and tech? Two years out, what are you predicting?
2: Two years out. All right. So mark this moment in time. I oh, think we'll have you back. There you go. All righty. So I think it comes down to two things. I don't think you're ever going to see dining rooms the way they are. I think you're going to see basically a world where everything is done through the mobile technology devices way above what we see now. But more importantly, it's going to be all about 100% personalization. You're going to be able to walk up to a store, a board, a kiosk, whatever it is, a drive through You know who you are. They're going to make you make – they're going to make – assumptions who you are, what you've done, there'll be proactive pushes to you. So that your basic decision matrices are gone. Your technology is going to think for you and what you want to eat, believe it or not. I also think that in the future, you know, you're having entire smart kitchens and entire smart staffs that are built out that break down all that inefficiencies in operations inside the four walls which right now there is a lot of operational inefficiencies given how labor and human interaction works. And I think last but not least, you're going to go to a complete contactless world. I think the, the days of, of holding hands inside of restaurants, unfortunately, I'm mainly talking about the QSRs and the fast casuals, kind of go away because time is of the essence. And so how do I get people through the throughput as quickly as possible? And it's all through the digital ecosystems that come out there. I think it's drive-through, smart devices, boards, as I had mentioned, and that the consumers are in a position where they use their own devices to move forward, and there really is no more interaction.
1: I love it. I got to tell you, if I go to a restaurant, they just bring me food, and they kind of know what I like, <laughs> yeah. and I don't have to look at the menu and then have like a whole discussion about what's – I, I kind of dig that, man. Just sit down, and they already know. That, yeah. Oh, man, how would you know I wanted a steak? I love it.
2: It's just like it's just like the old days in Vegas, right? You'd walk up, you know, your bartender, he sits down and gives you a martini with two olives. He just knew who you were. Imagine that in a digital ecosystem where they knew you're on your way there and you hit a beacon and they know based on your history and where you're going, what you want. And they just proactively think about all this. You walk in, you're like, wow. How do they know I was hungry for a hamburger, fries, and a Coke? <laughs> yeah, but you, you know something, Phil? You know what's funny is,
1: seriously, like there are some restaurants here in New York City that, I, that Jimmy and I go to. I mean, they've been around a long time. No menu. It's literally, it is that. I go to a restaurant yeah. in the Upper East Side. It's an Italian joint. I, I sit down. They bring me my Johnny, you know, Walker. I they, they bring me a bottle of sparkling. They're like, hey. And then they just say, you want the salad and the this and that. I love it. So that, it's really it's really going back to that. I love it.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the quickest of stories, one of the legendary bartenders of New York, Mr. Doug Quinn, now over at uh, Hudson and Malone. He is famous for remembering your drink. Famous. Doesn't matter when the last time we were there, he remembers your drink. I walked in and sure enough, he gave me my drink. Shats, what's my drink? Mac 12 on the rock. Mac 12. Except I kind of had a few Mac- Macallan 12s before I got to uh, Doug's joint. I was kind of in the mood for maybe something a little lighter. And I'm like, oh, looks like I'm going to continue drinking Macallan 12. Um, so I appreciate that you knew my drink. I respected the hospitality. Uh, but I kind of wanted something else. But anyway, there you go. Yeah. I thought I'd be a Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, Jimmy, Jimmy makes fun of me. He never mix anything. I try, I told him I came back from Italy. I was drinking Negronis. He's like, Shat. stop with the Negronis. Okay, it takes 20 minutes for the guy to make it just – <laughs> just stop just johnny walker on the rocks let's move past the negroni
0: i, I don't mind putting things on my drink as long as it's ice exactly. That's it. <laughs> exactly
1: all right listen phil now it's time for the best segment of the entire podcast because it's my segment it's called brandon quickfire going to ask you five lightning round questions don't think too hard first answer comes into mind are you ready ready favorite professional sporting event baseball what are you getting dinner from tonight what are you getting for dinner from tonight
2: I actually making it myself. I got a new air fryer, and I'm addicted.
1: So there's your. That, is
2: that part of the diet that you're doing in Nashville? That's part of my diet in Nashville. Yeah, I'm <laughs> trying to be healthy and
1: look healthy at the same time. Yeah, product. I got to tell you, it's funny. Uh, what's your favorite food city in the world?
0: Tokyo, Japan. Didn't see that one coming, Jimmy. But Jesse, people yeah. have been talking about that. That is coming up. It's getting yeah. clearly. Gotta clearly, get we got to make Tokyo. we got to make That's a visit. Awesome. I got to get to
1: this Tokyo. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, where's the first place you want to go?
2: norway no i'm kidding oh. um, <laughs> i was, be like, hey, all right, listen, I was hey. like that's a first that's i was like all right he time. got us on that one uh any place in the mediterranean
1: can't argue with that man that sounds real good right now all right if you were to challenge jimmy or i to a game of shuffleboard who would you have the better odds of beating
2: <laughs> hands down at Shotzi. come on <laughs> <laughs> it was hands down it wasn't even yeah, like a shot. No, <laughs> do i look like i suck at shuffleboard? <laughs>
1: Chats, you, you look would like be, you suck at everything. <laughs> yes, you would, you would be toast. Yeah. Yes. All right, Jimmy. Jimmy, yes, I think you're, what, 20, what is it, our 24th podcast? I think
0: you're, I think I maybe have one win. I think I'm 23 and one. This is good. This is working yeah. out. Nice. Um, all right. Listen, Phil, we uh, we want to thank you for joining us for the podcast today and for sharing your great insights. We appreciate uh, your hard work and your team's hard work for the industry, not during the, during this troubled time, but but really always. If you want to get in touch with Phil directly, you can email us. You're going to email Brandon, podcast at brandedstrategic.com. That's podcast at brandedstrategic.com. And we'd be happy to make the introduction. We're not going to repeat the mistake of giving out our guest cell phone numbers. The cell phone numbers? Now. Yeah, that was, that was a mistake. Early, first season, we learned, we better and to our listeners um we can't thank you enough for taking the time to tune in we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there jimmy what
1: about wait phil said he was giving something away he said that the first 100 callers get a, a Carl's Jr.'s
0: t-shirt. Um, he did not say that. He didn't? Um, no, he absolutely did not say that. And um, is he at least going to give us a shirt? It, we, well, I'll give can't... you the
2: shirt off my back.
0: There that. you go. <laughs> How about that? Shirt off the back. You know, shout <laughs> you, I was being sentimental with our listeners, and then Linda, look at you, coming in with humor. Look at that. That's the timing. I apologize. That's right. I do want to thank the listeners, because there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and we appreciate that you choose to hang out with us, and our subscriber, is growing exponentially, so um, it it tells us that something's going 10, right. Ten
1: thousand subscribers, Jimmy.
0: Something's going right, and we appreciate it. Please join us the next time. We're going to welcome our friend and our business partner, Mr. Renee Prats of Drive Kindness. Renee Prats, Drive Kindness, who solving is- last mile, Jimmy. Exactly, solving the last mile. There's, that's no small task. Uh, so you won't want to miss it. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. Be part of the ten thousand and growing, so you don't miss out on exciting guests that will have coming up in the future and even better yet invite a a friend to hang out with us uh the next time so until then a big thank you to phil crawford uh we appreciate his time and this is jimmy frischling your finance guy signing off and passing it to my boy shatsy
1: hey thanks jimmy this is the restaurant guy aka shatsy from the hospitality hangout thanks again thanks phil this was great
2: absolutely my pleasure thank you
0: thanks guys cheers